social distancing. According to the Dutch and according to the Belgian health authorities, uh, there is not only a recommendation, but even a mandatory requirement to stay one and a half meters apart from each other. But is it enough? There was a publication by MIT researchers about the turbulent gas clouds and respiratory pathogen emissions. And that's all about how the particles spread that may contain the coronavirus. And their idea was that the current models are based on the spread of quite another disease of tuberculosis in the 1930s. And then suddenly these smaller particles, lighter particles, could be carried through the air over much longer distances. And then it becomes something of propagation through the air, turbulences, so for as a reason to contact Professor Bert Blocken. Good afternoon, Bert. Good afternoon. So is it indeed becoming a completely different uh, problem to to see how uh, particles that may spread the coronavirus than than we up to now see, according to the, the health authorities? Oh, I, I think it's um, um, there, there's certainly um, a scientific basis um, in that study that that is justified. But on the other hand, I think um, now concluding that the the spread will be um, much more efficient by these smaller particles. Therefore, the social distancing of let's say 1.5 meters has to become uh, like much larger. People are saying that the spread now with these small droplets could be 100 times, 200 times um, further than this 1.5 meter. Yeah, that, that would mean that it becomes totally impractical and people should keep distances that are just impossible based on population densities and cities and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, it's, um, it's of course true eh, that is when you cough and when you, especially when you cough, when you sneeze, you have larger droplets when you cough you have especially smaller droplets and most of these droplets during cough are in in the micrometer range Um, and these droplets actually they evaporate very fast and they evaporate certainly over this distance of uh, 1.5 meter in in regular conditions not extremely humid conditions Uh, and then you get indeed a a, a droplet nucleus it's um, yeah the the moisture then actually is gone and it's then a solid particle that, that falls into the range of what we call particulate matter, fine dust. Um, and that's really your topic. Uh, yes, yeah, that, that is actually um, yeah, right in our field. And, and indeed it's known huh, that these particles can travel over, over several kilometers, uh, can travel from country to country and so on. Um, so let us assume that this would be an effective way of uh, transferring the disease from one person to another then I think that the the infection rates would have been much, much higher. Um, because, of course, it's, it's a very serious crisis and, and every um, infected person is one too many. But if we, if we look at the total percentage, it's still a relatively small fraction of the population that is infected. And, and let's hope that it stays that way. But if, if all these small uh, droplets and then uh, droplet nucleus or nuclei uh, would be effective, considering the fact that every cough has mainly of these droplets, then I think a much, much larger um, volume or fraction of the population would be infected. So it, it's probably also a matter of, of the dose of the virus that you um, that you get inside. And I'm, I'm not a virologist, so I have to be very careful here, but I can imagine that um, such a droplet nucleus uh, contains a much smaller doses than, for example, the large droplets um, that, that can also be um, transmitted to, to coughing or, or due to shaking hands and then touching your face and so on. So, so I do believe that 
there, there is, as I said, a scientific base to the story that these particles can travel very far, kilometers, tens of kilometers, that they can carry the virus, but whether that is then sufficient to really cause large-scale infection based on these particles, there I think uh, yeah, I, have, I have my doubts. So I, I would say that this 1.5 meter distance is, is an effective way. It's something that is feasible, uh, that, that is certainly also effective. Um, it might not be 100% effective, but uh, on the other hand, um, I think yeah, there's no reason now to to suddenly become yeah to, to suddenly panic even more than the society is already doing um, based on this new study. Now you give on one hand the argument that these uh, particles are smaller, thus contain less of the virus. Another argument could be that if we compare it to uh, particulate matter, feinstoff as we say in Dutch, feinstoff may be uh, solid and these are liquids. So uh, the, the, the carrying liquid may dissolve, may evaporate. Yes, yes, that's true. And, and then it might be a matter of um, yeah, how, how the virus survives. Um, in a liquid versus um, on, a, on a solid nucleus. Um, and, and that's also a question for, for the virologists. I think also concerning the, the virus doses, it's also an hypothesis just uh, that, that I'm, I'm formulating here. I think there's also a question that should be asked to virologists. But what is for sure is that if this way of transferring the virus of these small droplets would be equally effective as, as with um, yeah, the, the large droplets and the shaking of hands and so on, um, then we would have a much, much, much larger fraction of the population being infected uh, and heavily infected. Mm. So it, it could be that that it transfers indeed the virus and that these are the people that just have these mild symptoms or no symptoms at all uh, while being infected. Um, so I think yeah, in the coming months, years, we will see a lot of uh, new research and new research publications on this topic that hopefully will shed some more light onto this. Now, I have seen on LinkedIn comments, ah, and finally I understand why on one of these cruise ships people got infected while they are in quarantine in their own rooms. In Chinese high-rise buildings, people had to stay in quarantine in their apartments, but still got infected. But you do not see this as a proof which uh, contradicts the, the other uh, opinion that if this could really be the case, then all of Belgium and all of the Netherlands would have been infected. Oh, yeah, maybe it's... Uh, in, in, I think it's... There are many possible reasons, and, and I would be surprised that this is just the only reason. I have also today just received a, a position paper of Italian colleagues that say that the, the explosion of infections in, in uh, Bergamo was um, linked to particular matter concentrations there. Uh, but I've also read uh, other stories that actually the, um, the origin would have been the, the Champions League game Atalanta Bergamo versus Valencia with uh, 40,000 people from Bergamo going to Milan and to um, celebrate this this, uh, this victory of the football team. Um, so likely it's it's a combination of all of these things together. It is true eh, that in, in research already people have found the virus in ventilation uh, units, so ceiling ventilation units in buildings. And I can imagine that the same has happened in, in, in cruise ships. Um, but people have also tried to find these um, droplets and, and these small droplets in the nuclei in um, the, the indoor environment itself. And, and there actually they were unsuccessful. So they were found on all kinds of surfaces. They were found on surfaces in the ceiling ventilation units, but not uh, in the indoor air a few hours after people had left there. So then the key question to you must be, 
Is this a topic that you will dive into with the expertise on airflows in buildings and I guess also the air quality? Um, yeah, that's a good question. And, and I'm still doubting about that. Um, it's um, something I think that, yeah, that, that certainly will, will remain important, but it's also something that uh, some colleagues in, uh, in Asia already have been investigating for more than a decade based on the, the SARS uh, problems they had in the past. So they have a, already a very large body of literature and a very large amount of, of expertise there, um, which certainly provides a good starting point. But, but I'm, yeah, I'm still doubting. I think it's, it's very multidisciplinary, that for sure. So I think it would be a matter of, uh, because you also notice in this interview that I, I use quite a lot of um, careful hypothesis. So I think certainly it's a topic where um, a lot of expertise from different areas would uh, have to be brought together. And you mentioned particulate matter and the relation potentially to particulate matter. Was that because particulate matter can carry the disease or that uh, air pollution could make us more vulnerable, more sensitive and basically affect our uh, ability to be immune or be protected against mm -hmm. infections? Yeah, well, what they what they argue in this very short position paper, the Italian colleagues, is that it was actually um, acting as a carrier, and and they have linked uh, the um, PM10 so to particular matter, uh, the larger fraction of these concentrations to uh, the number of um, uh, hospital um, um, of, of people actually ending up in the hospital, of course with a certain time delay, um, and and actually they they find they find a correlation. But then on the other hand, there's also other examples in, in my former home province, Limburg in Belgium. There's a hotspot in Alke, which is in a, a, a small city of 10,000 inhabitants. Um, and there you don't uh, have, they didn't have these very high particulate matter concentrations. But they had, um, in February, quite some large parties where, where a large fraction of the young population um, contributed to, uh, to celebrations. So... That I think supports the fact that it's probably um, yeah, a combination of reasons that, that can uh, lead to a certain area becoming a hotspot. All a lot of questions to be answered. But now I can imagine that uh, politicians have to make choices on what they allow and what they do not allow. Personally, you are in favor of continuing to ride the bicycle because that is something that is really your passion. Uh, yes, and, uh, but I do it alone. Uh, so I think um, this, this uh, social distancing does make uh, a lot of sense, uh, that, uh, to, to say the least. I think it's, uh, it's imperative that we do that. Um, these are guidelines, by the way, coming uh, not, not directly from politics, but from experts, from scientists. Uh, and I find it a very good thing that uh, many governments are listening to scientists um, and, and also acting upon their advice. So there's something I think is very important on the other hand. Um, I, I think it's good that people stay active, that they, they practice sports uh, alone or at maximum with two um, is, is the rule here in Belgium. Um, and, and also virologists said that um, yeah, there's no virological reason whatsoever to restrain people within, uh, like they do in France, uh, one kilometer from their home for one hour. Um, they say if somebody goes riding uh, with the bicycle for 100 or 200 kilometers uh, mm. alone and, and not stopping and meeting other people, just yeah, let them be uh, because there's, they said there's no reason at all to forbid that. 
Professor Bert Blocken of Eindhoven University of Technology and the Catholic University in Leuven. Thank you very much for sharing your thoughts with us. Thank you.